Would you mind praying with me real quick? Uh, Father, I, I just, I just want to say thank you for who you are and uh, for this moment and this time. May all of us, even myself, be learners at your feet. May we not presume to know it all, even if we've heard the stories time and time again. May we all sit at the feet of Jesus, sit at the feet of God, hearing the stories of truth as if it were the first time. May we step into that, Lord God, because you want to teach us something. And we don't, you don't want to just teach us something so that we may know more. But you want to teach us that we may move and that we may act on what you have spoken to us. God, I love you. And your love for these people is great. And your love for the people out in our community is just as great. Lord, help us be that salt, light, and yeast. May it begin here with us right now, today. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we ask these things. Amen. Well, uh, we are finally coming to an end uh, with our, our series, Sent. We've kind of had a two-week hiatus. Um, two weeks ago, uh, if you were with us or if you were not with us, man, there were some awesome things that God was doing without a sermon. And folks, he doesn't need a sermon to move, right? Um, he just needs uh, an opportunity and then people that are willing to move as a result of that moment, as a result of his movement. And hopefully we are those people that allow him that opportunity and we are those people that allow him to move and we're responsive to that. And so this week is... Uh, the sermon that was from two weeks ago, and uh, reviewing the sermon this week for, uh, that was supposed to be for two weeks ago, man, I, I learned a lot more. Um, God has really shown some things to me uh, as a result of this. So I, I first want you to open, if you wouldn't please, open up to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, that's in the Old Testament. Uh, if you open up to the front of the Bible in Genesis, so it'll be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. So it's the sixth book of the Bible. If you're familiar, if you're new with the Bible, um, that's where it's going to be. You can pull out your, your phone, your iPad, your Surface, whatever you would like to, to pull out. Um, I just want to um, greet those of you that are not here that actually listen on Spotify or listen on our uh, website, um, listen to the sermons on, on the website or on Spotify, we, we just want you to know that we uh, really do appreciate you and hopefully um, this will impact you just as much as it has been impacting the people here at Wapak Naz on Sunday morning. Um, and so we want to greet them today as well. Uh, we have been on a series um, called Sent. I'm skipping around here, sorry. We've been on a series called Sent. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Folks, Jesus is the enemy of apathy. Jesus is the enemy of the status quo. And as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you are sent. There is no longer room for indifference or complacency. None of us have that privilege 
if we have given our life over to Jesus. If you have taken your faith off the respirator and you start to step into it, you were sent. Just as Jesus was sent, so are we. And it is no longer a question of whether or not we are sent. It's a question of where and how. And we have answered the where, and your where is here. Wherever you are, you were sent. Folks, you were sent to your family. You were sent to your kids and your grandkids, your nieces and your nephews. You were sent to your neighbors. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but some of our own very neighbors in our neighborhood have been impacted by you because you chose to be sent. You chose to step out. And we are grateful that our neighbors have taken the risk to come and be a part of this faith family. Folks, you were sent to your workplace. And we were reminded early on in this series by Katie Luma and her personal story is that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Which means all of you are qualified. Yes, you You may not feel like you are. You may feel like you're inadequate. Guess what? So do I. I'll be honest with you. This is nerve-wracking sometimes. Sometimes I don't want to be right here. It's hard. It's difficult. Sometimes I just want to pull the covers back over my head on a Sunday morning, right? And sometimes you do that as well. You do realize we meet here every week at 10.30. Yeah, yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Because um, we love you. You're important. You're important to us, and we're, um, you're important to each other. And so, folks, a life lived sent is not a life lived safe. It is no longer safety that we are looking for. And so, we've talked a little bit about the fact that the futures that we are created to live, we have to step into You have to step into the future that God has created you to live. And in fact, if you pull your feet up in the river of life and just drift, you will come into a future that you don't want to be in. And some of you sitting here today are in a future you don't want to be in. You're living in a present that you don't want to be in because of the choices that you've made in the past. And the fact is, God has a hope and a future for you. For you to step into. That you were created to step into. That you were created to live. That God has fullness for you. To live out and to experience. And part of that fullness is with the body of Christ. It's where it begins. And so, today... We continue to slip into those sandals of Joshua and the Israelites where they were, step, they were right on the edge of epic. They were on the edge of greatness. And they were about to step into what God had for them, that promised land. And see, as we traced the steps a few weeks ago, Joshua came to a point 
where Moses died. If you open up to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, I don't know about you, but this is the most ominous, unnerving way to start out a book of the Bible. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. That's unnerving to me. That's almost discouraging to me. It was discouraging to Joshua because this was the man. This was the leader. This one was the one that led them out of Egypt into the desert and led them for 40 years. And Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 starts out with, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Folks, servants of the Lord will die. It's very obvious. It happens. But here we have in that be strong and courageous speech, we have this shadow over it that Moses is gone. Folks, it must be said before we move forward that sometimes stepping into the future that you were created to step into means that you have to leave people behind. It means you have to leave people behind. Moses was a great leader. Moses was a faithful servant of the Lord. If Joshua and the people of Israel stayed in Moab, stayed where Moses was, then they would be the living among the dead. And that's all they would be. Now Moses became the measuring stick for the Israelites in Jesus' time. And in fact, Moses was probably put in a position that he didn't want to be in because Moses became an idol for a lot of people. But for you and I to step into the future that God has created us to step into, to take hold of that which He has for us and for you, sometimes you have to leave people behind. That's a hard truth to grapple with. But it is a truth nonetheless. And Joshua and the Israelites had to choose to step into what God had for them by leaving someone behind. I don't know who it is for you today. There may be somebody in your life. That pillar that spoke into you deeply that you've just held on to. I don't know who it is, but you can't live back there. You can't. And I speak this after giving three funerals in the last three weeks of wonderful people. Some of them pillars of this very place because those people would want you to move into what God has for you 
There is no question in my mind because they prayed for that. Two of those three prayed for that. They yearned for that. They were on their knees for that. Sometimes for us to step into the future that God has for us, we have to leave people behind. And so, Joshua and the whole band of Hebrews were standing on the edge of epic, standing on the edge of greatness. And that's where we meet them today. Joshua chapter 4. So, Flip the pages, just a few, to Joshua chapter 4. And we don't normally do this on a Sunday, every Sunday, but we are going to read the chapter in its entirety. Verse 1. When the whole nation finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua, Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, please make note of this, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So, the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had stood. And they are there to this day. Now, the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. How interesting. The men of Reuben... Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over. Notice, it says they were armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. And they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then, the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner, this is awesome, 
No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Man, that's good. On the tenth day, that wasn't in the scripture, that was me. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he had dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Jesus, this is your word. It is good. Lord, for those that are on the edge of faith, those that are in faith, those that are even questioning your existence, O oh God, will you reveal yourself and make yourself known? And as soon as we know that you've made yourself known, may we just act on what it is that you've made yourself known with. Speak today. Ask this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, last year, um, last August, Amy and I uh, set out uh, to conquer a mountain. Um, Mount Leconte, uh, and it's the second toughest hike in the Great Smoky National Park, um, and uh, so we, we set out this, I think it's 11 miles um, round trip journey, and the elevation is like 2,763 feet as you move on that journey, and so we set out to conquer this Mount Leconte, um, and it seems to loom over the national park and so it was one of those that we worked really really hard prior to, to getting there and uh, so we journeyed on this 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 hike and we came to this point after probably two and a half hours wait right there that was the view that we were able to see not me the mountains Sorry to scare you this morning. Hopefully it will keep you awake. Um, but that was the view. But we understand, we've come to understand that if you know nothing about this hike, if you don't read about this hike from Alum Cave, and you just hike this hike, you would think that this is the summit. And you would be wrong. You would be fooled. Your eyes would fool you. Your heart would fool you. Your body definitely would fool you because you're just like, I want to be done with this. But you come to this point and it's just gorgeous. But the fact is, the summit's about 0.2 miles further up here. This is the summit. This is nothing to behold is it? I mean, the difference between 
the pictures, you have a vast panoramic almost of Mount Lacan and the park. You can see for miles on a clear day. But this is a pile of rocks. This is it. This is the highest point on Mount Lacan. To me, this is a little disappointing. At least, I was disappointed then. But I realized that this is a place of significance. It's very significant to get to this peak. Have you ever wondered, when God has called you to step out, whether it was called you or moved in your heart to give your life to Jesus, or for you to step into something that he would want you to do, for some of you, it may have been coming to church on a Sunday morning. That's, that's a risk for some people. It may be to apply for a new job. It may be to talk to that neighbor or that coworker about Jesus Christ. It may be just to offer up a prayer. Whatever it may be. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered if God was enough to come through? Have you ever wondered if he was sufficient enough? Have you ever wondered if he had enough power to do what it is that he's called you into, whether it be for the moment or for the lifetime? I don't know about you, but maybe I'm the only one that's wondered that. And for us, isn't it a a power struggle because when we step out when we step into that unknown and that uncertainty and the floor just starts to collapse under our feet what do we do we go to grab it we grab for whatever we can do we try to do anything in our own power to make it happen when it doesn't seem like God is coming through when the power of himself doesn't get manifested when things don't fall into place like it's supposed to. Folks, just because you're praying and you're following the Lord, it doesn't always just fall into place. It didn't always fall into place for the people of Israel. We try to do it on our own. We fool ourselves. We fool ourselves to thinking, this is it! This is the peak. This is the summit. And we trick ourselves. But there's a place of significance that is further down the road. Here are the Israelites. Joshua and the Israelites. The people have... I don't know if you noticed in reading that chapter, sometimes it's like the writer, Joshua, just kind of goes forward and then he goes backward and then he goes forward and then he goes backward and then he goes forward and then he goes backward and telling the story and it's kind of hard to piece together because it says when the whole nation crossed the Jordan and then the priests are still standing in the middle of the Jordan that used to be a river now a dry bed and they're shouldering the Ark of the Covenant they're holding this very heavy article and then the Lord said, 
hey, Joshua, I want you to choose 12 guys. This time they're not spies. They're one from each tribe, and I want you to go, want them to go back into the middle of the Jordan. Folks, I always thought God was a planner. I wonder, I, I think about Joshua here, and, and God is a planner, but I, I'm thinking about Joshua here for a moment. Everybody from the nation of Israel has passed over and crossed over the Jordan. And you have the priests that are standing in the Jordan. And then he says, hey, now, Joshua, choose 12. I want you to choose 12 to go back into the dry bed, the riverbed. Well, weren't we kind of like waiting for this water to come right, right back? Like you step into something and you're thinking, man, God's just going to, it's just going to collapse all on me. There's no time here. You would think that God would have told Joshua well before this moment, hey, why don't you choose 12 guys from each tribe to, to make this and mark this significant moment in your life so that as they're crossing over the river, they can pick up the stones while they're crossing. They can shoulder those stones and get to the other side. No, actually what it is is everybody's crossed over the river And now they're standing and they see these, these priests that are holding the Ark of the Covenant and everybody's over here. And, and God says, Joshua, now I need you to choose 12. And they need to go back into that river, that dry bed, and they need to shoulder up 12 stones. Again, I ask you, have you ever wondered if God has enough for you to come through? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I tried this church stuff. I tried this Jesus stuff a long time ago. And I never saw that God had enough to come through for me. This nation is standing right in the middle of the miracle. And I wondered why. Why call those 12 guys out from the crowd that had already passed over to go back into why don't the priests just walk across that river and be done? Folks, because while it's happening, they need to be aware that it's happening. While God is moving, they need to be aware that God is moving. God is, in fact, extending this miracle. He's extending the miracle that He is doing in this moment. Because if you recognize that this is very similar to Moses and the Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea or the Reed Sea and the Egyptians were hot on their heels, breathing down their necks. They all hurried across the Red Sea. And as soon as they hurried across the Red Sea, Moses put down his hands and the sea came crashing in and the Egyptians were destroyed. It was get over as quick as possible so that the enemy can be destroyed and so that you can be in safety and security. This is one of those moments where God just extends the miracle. He extends the moment. You wonder why. Why God? Why extend this moment here? Why now? Because the Israelites need to understand that there will be a time that there will be no manna coming down from heaven. 
that the sustenance that they will receive, they have to go out and work for. Because they need to learn and know that when they step into the promised land, the promised land doesn't come without battle. The promised land comes with battle. The, com- the promised land comes with war. Well, what about us? We wonder, God, why? God has enough for you. In this moment, God speaks and says, I am who I am, and I am more than you think I am. I am the God of immeasurably more than you can think or imagine. So if I've called you to step out from the edge, all you need to do is step. Because I will extend what I have. I am who I am, and I am more than you think I am. We wonder if God is sufficient for us. We wonder if he has enough power for us. That's small thinking. For a big God, that's small thinking. And so, on the other side, on the other side, the 12 guys have moved from on the other side back to the inside, and the miracle is extended. And there's need for moving from anemic faith to dynamic faith, and moving from anemic faith, moving from faith that's on the respirator. I don't know about you, but I got to ask are any of you dealing with faith that's on the respirator, that it's on the table? That could be you. How does it move from anemic to dynamic faith? You just one step at a time. One step at a time. You step into it one step at a time. And here the Israelites move it one step at a time. And so, we must be reminded. What did God say to Joshua on the front end of all of this? He said, no one will, be, will stand against you. No, that's not what he said. Folks, when you step out in your faith, when you step out, when you give your life over to Jesus, when you give him your life, folks, there will be people that will stand against you. God told Joshua and the Israelites, no one will be able to stand against against you no one will be able to stand against you he didn't say no one will stand against you folks the moment that you try to rise up the moment that you choose faith the moment you try to pull your faith off the respirator the moment you give your life to jesus christ there will be people in your life that will want to keep you down Because the moment that you step into the life that Jesus has for you, to live in the fullness of Christ, people around you, there will be people around you that look at you and they feel like they are just now merely existing. That they've been satisfied where they are and they see you rise up. They see you come to work on time. They see you do your job with excellence and stay late. 
There will be people that will point their finger at you. Why do you make me look bad? When you try to live a holy life and you try to kill the sin in your life, there will be people in your life that point their finger at you and say, why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to live like Christ. Folks, we need to understand that when we, need to, when we step out from the edge and we step into the epic and we step into the greatness that God has for us, when we step into the future that he has for us, that hope and future, there will be people standing and scoffing and trying to keep you where you are. There's a, a, a secular group um, called Lord Huron. And one of their songs is The Ends of the Earth. And one of the lyrics at the end of the song that I just continue, I actually, when we go on our hikes, I, I think of this song. And at the end of the song, it says this, what good is living the life you've been given if all you do is stand in one place? Folks, the moment that you stop standing and you start moving the people that you've been standing with they realize that they're not moving anywhere they're not going anywhere and as we saw said about Moses sometimes for us to step into the future that God has for us there will be people that we have to leave behind and those people that want to pull you down as you rise up, sometimes those are the people that you have to leave behind. But it's much easier to leave them behind when you begin to start to move. Because what happens when you begin to start to move into what God has for you, into that life for you, into holiness, into relationship with God, they're behind you. And as you move they're either going to do one of two things. They're going to stay right where they are or they're going to try to catch up with you because they see that they're merely existing in their world. They're, they're not living fully and they're seeing someone live fully because of Jesus Christ in them. Folks, there are two things that will determine your future. Two things. The choices you make and the people you choose. Two things that will determine your future. The choices you make and the people you choose. And folks, those will either create momentum in your life or they will stop that momentum dead in its tracks. So i got to ask you, what choices are you making? What people are you choosing? Are you standing, or are you moving into what God has? Two things that will determine your future. The choices you make and the people you choose. And what we hope that you choose, first and foremost, is Jesus Christ. Because once you step into Christ, 
into the cross and into that empty tomb and into the Holy Spirit in your life. That momentum gains. The fullness of life happens in you and it comes out of you. We want you to step out. Step from the edge into greatness. Step from the edge into the epic. Step from the edge into the unknown. That's why we have the word of the Lord. The word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path because when you step into Christ, there's a lot of unknowns that you step into and His word and His people, His spirit guide. So, I don't know if you noticed, but Joshua comes to the very end. You can look at chapter, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 12. Here we have the priests standing in the middle. The men have, have now come over, gotten the stones, and they've gone to the other side. But Joshua kind of goes all the way back to the beginning. Because as I read this story and kept reading this story, Joshua 3 and Joshua 4, I kept coming to this moment and going, why have I just heard about this? Go back and read with me. Verse 10, Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. Again, God has enough. No need to hurry. But they hurried over anyways, right? And as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. But then he goes back. He like retells the story in just a few verses. And he says this, The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord in the plains of Jericho for war. Wait, Joshua, you forgot to put this on the front end because we're chronological people. I like things A, B, C, D, and E. I don't know about you. I may not be a type A personality, but I like things in order. Joshua doesn't write this in order. He actually kind of writes this all haphazardly and then goes back because what he just tells us is that the first people to step foot into the waters were the priests. And I always stood, I always understood that the next group of people that were walking through on dry ground were the people of Israel. That would be correct, but there's a specific group of the people of Israel. It's these tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And what are they? They're armed for war. Now, at the the nearest point in the Jordan River, point to point, shore to shore, is about two miles. Not far. You can see on the other side. Compared to the Mississippi, at its nearest point, or its furthest point, I'm sorry, 11 miles. 11 miles shore to shore for the Mississippi. You can see on the other side of the Jordan. Who were the first people to go after the priests? Warriors, armed for battle. Why? Why? If you can see the other side and you can see that there's no enemy, 
And the word has already spread throughout the nations and their hearts are melting because of the word of the Lord and what He has done for the people. Why go across with people armed for battle? Folks, the reason that these warriors are to go across the river first 40,000 warriors is one so that the enemy knows that we're coming. But two, the hope and future that is ahead of them must be fought for. Many of us that are in church today are on our knees praying that God do something, but no one's getting up and fighting for it. There are people who need a hope and a future that you are to fight for. You. Not them. You. I read that Scripture from Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Joshua and the Israelites are standing right into that. They're about ready to step into that. Later on, their people ignore that and forfeit that. But folks, your hope and future that Jesus Christ gives you is not just for you. i got to ask you, why would a selfless God, selfless, not a selfish, a selfless God give you a hope and future to be selfish with it? He doesn't. He doesn't give you a hope and a future to be selfish with it. No. He gives you a hope and a future so that other people who don't have hope and feel like they have no future can look at you and say, there is hope and I can have a future. You are to fight for those that don't have hope and don't have a future. That their life is literally sitting on edge and they feel like they're about to take it. When their life is crumbling, They're to look at you and see the hope and future that you have. And you are to be the warrior in their life. Notice the scripture, Joshua 4, chapter 4, verse 5 and 8. The stones that they shoulder and they carry to the other side and that Joshua sets up at the camp of Gilgal, it is to serve as a sign among you, right? But then as he goes further, this isn't just for you. In the future, when your children ask you, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Folks, these stones are not necessarily just for the people that just crossed. They don't have memories of goldfish like I do, and they quickly forget. They literally just walk through the waters. They will remember this moment. But it's for those who have never lived in this moment or for those that have not yet been born. It's for those that have no recollection of this moment. 
Because this moment, this miracle that was extended that you stepped into is so that you can tell them. That you can show them. Your hope and future that God gives you isn't just for you. We need to quit being selfish with it. It's not just the church. It's for those outside that don't know the Lord, that don't have hope. So, today, let's mark it on the calendar. This is the day that my hope and future are not my hope and future, but they are a hope and a future for someone else. Mark it in your calendar. Put it in your phone. It's time for that to happen. It's time for us to be selfless with it and not be selfish with it. We got to fight for those who aren't fighting, who can't fight anymore. They're tired. They're worn out. And they're on the edge. And they're ready to give up. So, they're armed and they move for battle. Folks, as we said a few weeks ago, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. You and I have a job to do. Again, Jesus is the enemy of apathy, the enemy of the status quo. He is the enemy of mediocrity and indifference. His people ought to no longer live in that. You're called out for more than that. The hope in the future that you receive in Christ, it's for those that don't have a hope in the future. Yes, it's for you as well. But it's so others see it in you. So I've got to ask you, This whole series is about being sent. Sent to where you are to be salt, light, and yeast. It's not just about doing things here at this church. It's not just about VBA. It's not just about you know, getting carpets cleaned and cleaning windows and doing children's ministry and eight-week Bible studies and those types of things. And by the way, there is a waiting line for those in eight-week Bible studies to get discipled here. It's awesome. It's awesome. There's a waiting line. I'm sorry for those of you that are waiting. We need people to step in, right? Step into that. Disciple. It's not just about that. It's about where you are and living the life that God has called you to live. Living sent. Living unsafe. I like safety and security just like the rest of you. I'm adverse to risk. I am. I am very adverse to risk in my life. But it's Christ, in Christ, I've, I've taken risks. So, is living a life sent helping you determine what house to buy? Is it helping you determine what you do with your finances? Is it helping you determine where you go eat on a Sunday or during the week? Is it helping you determine who are the people in your relational circles? 
Are they all believers in Christ? Are they all churchgoers? Living life sent means we rearrange our life so that your life can be a life lived sent and not a life lived safe anymore. So will you please stand today? Bow your heads with me, please. Jesus, I love you. And I know this congregation, this group of people that we call Wapak Naz, loves you. But your love for us and your love for people around us is greater than our love for you. Far greater. And so, may we, Lord, we ask that, that you... You rearrange our thinking, the synapses in our mind, the connections that we have in our brain, and you just start to rewire us. You transform us by the renewing of our mind so that we might begin to adjust our life to becoming a life lived sent, to becoming that light in a blackout, to becoming that salt to bring seasoning into our culture, to bring flavor, to make people thirsty for Jesus, and to infiltrate like yeast, to become influencers, to become voices for the kingdom of God in our respective jobs and positions and neighborhoods. And Wapak Naz, I firmly believe that, Lord God, we're, we're right on the edge of, of something great. And you're going to need people. You're going to need people that will step one step into the, the river, get their feet wet, so that the, the river can become dry, and that other people can walk on it. And you're going to need people in this group, in this place, to become warriors that will fight, that will storm the gates of hell, that will pray, and that will get up off their knees and do. And that's all of us. You're just going to need willing people. God, may we be willing people. Willing to disciple, willing to love, willing to roll up our sleeves, willing to get dirty, willing to step into the unknown, and willing to battle. because there's those that need hopes and futures in their life. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you and we ask that you go ahead of us for this evening. For VBA, may it be a fun and energetic time, but may it be a fruitful time. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray today. Amen. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength and will you please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you back here tonight about 5.45.